Hello and welcome to Pods Like Us. I'm Martin Quibell, known to my friends as Marv, and today I'm talking with Ant Short, the presenter and producer of Therapy For Me and The Corona Diaries with Steve Hogarth. Hey Ant, how are you? I'm really well, Marv. Uh, I'm really, really well. Uh, looking forward to this, actually. Um, but uh, th- thanks, thanks for having me on. I'm, I was, I was very, very touched when you, uh, when you, you said we could, uh, we could get this arranged. That's okay. How were you first introduced to podcast? Well, um, in in my previous life, I I used to work for a company called uh, Shaw, who are a a microphone manufacturer and I was sales director for sure and worked for them for about 15 years and they were based down um, on the edge of the M25 at a place called Waltham uh, Waltham Abbey and I live up in West Yorkshire um, sort of uh, home firth neck of the woods and so it was a, a three and a half hour trip there and three and a half hour trip back and I used to do that a couple of times a month now when you start to do a journey a lot of times um, what I tended to find was that I'd, I'd I'd do the journey home and and not be able to remember sort of any of a three and a half hour, 200 mile trip. Um, And I found that as I was listening to music and what have you in the car, I I just literally used to tune out and 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 I'd arrive home thinking, I can't remember anything about that, that journey, which kind of spooked me a little bit. Um, I thought it was a little little bit scary that, you know, I'd be in a, I'd be in a car hurtling along and not really, you know, I'd, I'd done the whole thing on autopilot effectively. And, Somebody suggested to me that that maybe start listening to a, a little bit of speech in the car. And a, a lot of people, you hear a lot of people complain that um, they they can't, they don't like things going on in the car because it distracts them. I was actually looking for something to distract me to actually keep me kind of in the moment. So I started listening to a bit of Radio Five and a bit of Radio Four, and uh, and then a friend suggested, you know, why why not listen to podcasts? Why not to try try a few podcasts? Um, just as something different to, to engage with. And and my degree's in, in politics. So um, I started looking around and realised there were quite a few sort of politics-based shows um, kicking around. Uh, and, I, and I started picking up on those. And I think the first one I really fell in love with was something called The Political Party, which was a, uh, is, is a guy called Matt Ford, yeah. who... Um, He's probably actually based not far from you. He's a uh, he's a Nottingham lad, I believe, and he he was doing these these events where he would have a he'd have an audience event and he'd he'd interview a, a you know a, a politician and then he'd package it up as a a podcast and put it out. And I started listening to them, and then that took me from there to listening to things like um, John Pinar's politics program. So I was I wasn't it wasn't podcast per se, but it was kind of radio stuff that had been on that you'd kind of missed that you could save up through the course of the week and then and then catch up on over a, a journey. Um and from there I kind of branched out into you know into other political stuff and things that were actually more I guess recorded as podcasts rather than just captured and then and then repackaged. And then of course the 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 Brexit vote happened. Um, the referendum happened, and I'm a staunch Remainer. I'm I'm I, I you know I, I I got quite involved in the whole process, but I'm very much a staunch staunch Remainer. And and from there I ended up uh, I probably got to my my podcast love, which is a thing called the Romaniacs, which is a you know a, a quite a, a it's not a rant it's not that ranty, but it's a kind of a it was a whole comment on the whole Brexit 
you know process from from a perspective that was fairly similar you know to mine and 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 those have become those have still become my go-to podcast so i unlike what i i I suppose i get involved in producing um a lot of my podcast listening is very much you know is is very much politics based uh and and it keeps me up to date but it also allows me to you know get a little bit I mean, I'm 49, so it allows me to get a little bit irate as well, which is uh, probably not good for me. But, you know, in a strange way, I find it, you know, I find it relaxing. Crikey, we are both 49. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So how did you decide to go into podcasting yourself then? Well, bizarrely, bizarrely, the first podcast i was involved in was one when i was at sure so sure do a podcast um called sure shots and it was started by a guy in the uk and the marketing manager in the uk a chap called paul crognarly and he'd we'd been talking about it and i'd sort of been very keen and said oh we really must do this it's a great idea and he he recorded a few uh a few of these things and they started talking to people that sure as a brand knew and sort of record producers and people who worked in event production and and, and those kind of things, and uh, and I said one day, do you know what? There's a really great story because everybody has shown you I was a Marillion fan, and uh, and it was a bit of a running joke really because you know you're either a Marillion fan or you um, poke fun at Marillion fans. It kind of falls into that. And I don't mean that in a harsh way, but that kind of ha- how it tends to be. It's not It's not something that's seen as, politi- as, as particularly cool. But, uh, you know, if you are a Marillion fan, then you're normally very vocal about it. It's probably the music equivalent of being vegan, that you go around and you tell everybody about it. So... Um, so I said to I said to you know to Krogs to Paul, there's a you know you know I'm going to bang on about Marillion here, but have I ever told you the story of how Marillion effectively created crowdfunding, how they effectively invented crowdfunding? And I told I gave him a quick pricey of the story, and I said, you know what? I'm sure if I ask Steve, I'm sure he would he would tell that story as a podcast because it's a great story. It, yeah. You know, as a you know, as a thing that has a, you know, is very much of its time and was was revolutionary. It's a really good story to tell, and he t- and he tells it very well. So I got in touch with uh, with Steve Hogarth and said, "Will you will you you know would you would you mind being on the podcast? Would you would you go through and, and talk us through this particular story?" And and you know, and, and H was fine and said, "Yeah, no problem." So I kind of bundled a load of gear in, into into the car, and I, and I ended up. Sp- sitting around his kitchen table and we recorded this this episode of sure shots which is still which is still available you can still find it and he's and he's a really really you know really good interview i mean he was he was very good value and it all worked out quite nicely and i ended up for whatever reason i ended up editing it um because they used to go off to a guy in the u.s to do them and because it was something very close to my heart, I was like, well, do you know what? I'm, I'm going to do it because I can make sure that it's tweaked as well as it can be tweaked and things aren't cut out. And I can kind of present it and say, look, that's it. Don't don't mess about with it. It's it's finished. Yeah. And so I sat down, you know, and edited it in GarageBand because I'd always been a Mac user and, and had my first go at messing about with, you know, with a, with a podcast format. And I actually produced a dry run of it. So I put a bit of incidental music on it and I put it into a format. 
and and it ended up getting changed because Shaw had their own kind of music and what have you. But I I produced it as a thing, so I could listen to it, and I gave it to a few people to listen to before I forwarded it on, and it and it went really really well. You know, it, it seemed to work fine. H and I seemed to have a you know reasonably good rapport when we were chatting, and I did this, and then kind of forgot about it. Like, kind of completely forgot about it. it. Was really proud of it. Pushed it on. Thought, oh, that's something I could. I could see myself doing as if if the if the moment arose, and and just just left it, and it got put out there, and it's available, and you can go and listen to it, and I'm still yeah, you know, I'm still very proud of it. Um, but what that that meant was that uh, you know a couple of years later, I I took I sort of I I parted company with Shaw, um, and we'd got to a point where um you know i'd been thinking about a change i'd I'd done it for a long time and an opportunity arose there was having a a reorganization an opportunity arose to allow me to you know to move to move on and i i thought you know what it's the it's the right sort of time so i decided to to leave sure and i'd I'd built in a little bit of time so i could have a break um and I'd, i'd worked for you know since leaving university i'd worked i'd worked sort of 25 years straight and um and i thought do you know what i'm gonna have a, i'm gonna have a six month time out and while i was having this time out a very good friend of mine um who's um, the the mum of my eldest son's best mate so um we would we went out for a coffee she's got her own business she's a um a brand consultant and she helps people with their personal brand and we were talking and she said, you know what, I really quite like the idea of doing a podcast. And I, said, I sort of said, well, look, I've, I've, you know, I've had a little, really tiny bit of experience of, of, of having done one of these. And I, you know, um, I'd love to help you out. And I've got nothing. I'm not planning on doing anything at the moment. So, and I've got the equipment. Why don't we, why don't we do it together? Um, and we ended up having lots of coffees and lots of conversations. And we ended up producing um this this podcast which was called on brand with where she interviewed a load of people who'd been her clients and the whole idea was that it was a kind of um for deborah it was a it was an advert for her business so um you know the way she attracted clients was very much that she would do a lot of these 45 minute taster sessions and then somebody would have to make a decision whether they wanted to engage with her and work with her and you know, for what was a relatively big financial commitment, people didn't really get much of a chance to, you know, the the, the only reference point may be having seen it once. So what we thought was, well, why don't we do some, a series of case studies? Why don't we give people, a, a you know, a more uh, sort of considered view of what you do? So we went out and we did these interviews and we produced 13 episodes in our first series and, and, it, and it went really, really well. Um, and then I started saying to people, oh, I've been doing a bit of, I've been, you know, starting out doing a bit of podcast production. Um, and there were two people that I mentioned this to. Um, one of them was a guy called Jason Hunt, who has an event called the UK Guitar Show, which is in Birmingham every uh, every February, March time. Uh, and the other one was Steve Hogarth. Yep. And Steve had rung me about something else. He'd rung me about something to do with Shaw, and I'd got to know him through the Shaw relationship, and he'd rung and asked me a Shaw question, and we got talking, and I said, oh, I've, I've actually moved on from Shaw, you know. Uh, and he said, oh, what are you doing? And I said, well, one of the things I've been doing is I've been messing about with some podcasts, at which point he kind of said, do you think I should have a podcast? And I said, well, absolutely I do. Having having been on 
one with you i absolutely think you should you, and, and that's kind of what started us off with that one and it was the same thing with jason with nine to 42 um he um same thing we had a conversation and he sort of said oh i've had i've had people saying to me i should do a podcast what do you think and and, and in both instances both shows kind of came from that initial you know conversation really it wasn't me a case of me pitching for business um it was more a case of me saying well i've, I've been doing a bit in that space um and and you know and and conversations followed and then before you know it you know you're setting up microphones and you you're pressing you're pressing the record button wow so um how did uh, therapy for me come about well therapy for me is, is the the kind the secret very much is in the name um the, when if you finish if you finish a job that you've done for a long time, um, and it wasn't just the job with Shaw, I'd worked in the music industry, the music instruments industry for about twenty five years, yeah. and one of the highlights um, of one of the highlights of the year was that there's this great big music show that goes on in in California in January called the Nam Show. And it's where the great and the good and all the, all the music brands get together and they, you know, it used to be a showcase for new products and it's, it still is to a certain extent. But it's become a bit of an international networking get together. And of course, if you've done what I've done, which is, you know, probably every year for the past 15 years, go to, you know, California in January uh, and have a week out in the sunshine, particularly because it's about the third week of January. So all Christmas has gone away and you're starting to get a little bit miserable because it's still dark and cold and horrible. Yeah. Um, when you're used to having that in the diary to look forward to, um, it, it was it was weird thinking that this year, 2020, I, I, I wouldn't be doing that. Um, and it was the week in the diary that I'd not been looking forward to because I thought, do you know what? All my social media feeds going to be full of people who are out in Nam, um, and you send you, you you know you take pictures and you share with people where you are. And I used to do it. I it was exactly what I used to do. I get there, the first thing I do is take a picture of palm tree and then just say to everybody, oh, "Look at me, I'm in California." Um, so you knew it was kind of coming, but it was such a great it was such a great week for me because having been in that industry for so long, the, you, everywhere you turned, you you bumped into people you'd known for a lot of years. And of course, because it was an adjusted time zone and because everybody was only there for that one event, when you met somebody, if they weren't rushing off to something, then you would have, uh, you know, you'd start a conversation which invariably would end up with a with a coffee or at a bar somewhere. So it was, it was a fantastic, you know, it was a fantastic week and, a, you know, I was privileged to be able to do it as many times as I did. So... I was as we were approaching this week I was I could tell that I was um a low just 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 I was just at a low point um not because anything was wrong I was to a certain extent I was feeling a little bit sorry for myself um but I'd also had a problem with because I tried to run um I tried to run every other day um and I'd had an injury uh, which had stopped me running for a few weeks and running for me was a, a great is a, a great head clear so I was I was facing this double whammy of something that that I wasn't going to be doing this year for the first time in ages, and um, and the fact I wasn't running either, which wasn't really helping me, you know, clear out. So um, I found myself sat at home, literally with lots of stuff rattling around my head, and I thought, do you know what? It probably would be therapeutic to say this out loud. So I 
I kind of set a, I set a microphone up and I recorded the first couple of episodes. I recorded a little intro and then I recorded, you know, um, uh, what became the that then became the format. And what I do with therapy for me is I just capture a few minutes every day, Monday through Friday, of something that's rattling around my, around my head. And it might be total nonsense and it might be something that's quite serious. Yeah. Um, and... Um, and, and what happened was the whole thing came together really, really quickly. And what I, what I kind of wanted was I wanted something that only I had done. So in terms of the fact that, you know, I I, I, I cobbled together the artwork myself. I, I recorded all the incidental music um, myself. I, I, I wanted the whole thing to just be me. Which meant that it's kind of got a it's got a very <laughs> it's got a very kind of thrown together kind of, you know, lo-fi kind of feel about it. Um, but it, it, I was also hoping that it would, it would have some honesty to it as well. Um, it's, it's raw in places. It's quite, you know, it's very raw in places. Um, but it was never really meant as something that necessarily people, you know, would listen to. I, if you, if you listen to it and it, and it resonated with you, great. If it didn't, it wouldn't stop me doing it. Because, you know, the routine of doing it and getting involved in doing it and the way it helps my brain work and, and, and you know, allows me to say certain things that I'm struggling with out loud. Uh, and, and that's how I ended up with the title, because it, it literally is, you know, it is therapy for me um, that just happens to be out there as a happens to be out there as a kind of a, a, a thing. And, and I think what tends to happen, you know, the, the listening numbers aren't, aren't particularly high. But what I've had a lot of people listen to it. So I think people dip in and out with it. Um, It isn't something where necessarily um, people will will plot all and go all the way through. There are some people who do that. But you'll get a lot of other people who will say, oh, I listened to an odd few episodes and and what have you. It's not, you know, it's not meant to be something that, that keeps you on tenterhooks. But um, but it's, it's, I'll say, predominantly it's just for me but but then i get a lot of people quoting it back to me i get a lot of people saying oh you know that thing you said then i really i really feel like that um which is kind of weird really i quoted one of those to the other day i can't remember what it was it was the donut one it was i got a bit incensed about not incensed but yes there is something about uh, the the honesty of a donut yeah life is a ring donut yeah i I did yes yes i did I did do that. You <laughs> dear me. So, how many shows are you actually involved with? Um, right. Well, um, at the moment, five, but they're not all on the go at the same time. So, therapy for me is is a constant. That's been ever since that started. That's not stopped, and that doesn't really take an enormous amount of of time. And as I say, it's relatively lo-fi. So um, that's something that that will will continue um, as long as 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 long as I've got something to say, I will, I will carry on doing that. Um, I've got Corona Diaries, which is the one with H that kicked off uh, early part of this year. We're on. Uh, we've just wrapped on episode on chapter twenty six, um, and that's every week. And then we produce some extra content um, because we have a. Um, we use Patreon. We have a, um, a an option for people to support the show, and if you support the show, we produce extra content. So that's that's effectively six podcasts a month, 
um, that, 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 that Steve and I do for that. And then uh, 9 to 42, the guitar show one with Jace, that's a couple of episodes a month. And I'm just about starting the second series of On Brand with, with Deborah, which is about to kick off. So her first series was 13 episodes, and we think we're going to try for a similar number for her second series. And then I kind of produce one for the MIA as and when it's required, which is the Music Industries Association, which is something that's called Behind the Beat. But I don't really count that as such because that's that tends to be a repackage of content in a podcast format rather than that we're actually going out and, and, and authoring podcasts. So I would like to do that with MIA sometime, at some point long term. But at the moment, that's just, more, as I say, it's more of a repackage format. So I guess five, I've touched five over the, the course of the last year. Okay, so how do you put these shows together? How do you record them? And then how do you edit them? Okay, so um, 9 to 42 and TCD are both products of um, lockdown. So uh, we originally wanted to produce those shows in a space with a guest. And I'm a huge fan of being in the room with the guest if you can do it. Um, but in both instances, that wasn't possible. The first couple of episodes of both were recorded that way. And then it very quickly became evident that we couldn't do that. So in both instances, we record over Zoom. But what we do is we record audio locally. So when I do Current Diaries, um, I record my audio, uh, um, you know, onto a PC at this end and Steve records his at the other end. And then we we swap files and then we piece together the audio um, that way round. And it's only really a problem for that, that first case of syncing the audio, which is the, you know, which is the biggest um, the biggest task really um, and it's the same with 9 to 42 except there's three of us so normally there's Jason and myself hosting and then we have a guest and we are, again we do it via zoom so we've got a visual sync um, and be, so it's close to being able to see somebody and be in the, in the room with them and see the facial expressions and those kind of things and um, and, and then yeah I assemble you know I take the I take the audio and I assemble the audio um, after after the event Um Obviously, with um, with Corona Diaries having a you know a professional musician means that incidental music wasn't a problem. So we use things that that Steve has, has composed for for little bits of incidental music, um, and you know that one was one that once we'd got the format down and we knew what Corona Diaries format was going to be because it moves it, it's got a consistent format, but it it, it ultimately break, it breaks into three component parts. So we have the introduction and whatever today's kind of topic theme is or uh, whatever today's question is or whatever, you know, the, the, un- the underpinning um, kind of um, point is that we're trying to get to. Then there's a, a, a reading because he has a diary. He's got two published volumes of diary. So we read a section of his diary uh, or he reads a section of his diary. And then we come back and we have a bit of feedback and a bit of, you know, question based on the diary extract. So that's roughly how Corona Diaries works, and we split it into three. Um, with with Jason, with 942, it's a straight interview. And we just, you know, I mean, for the first time this last episode, we split an interview in half because it went on too long. You know, we had a, we had a show that when it was put down in its original format was an hour and 35 minutes, and we both agreed that that was too long. Um, I mean, I in my head, I think for anything between forty-five minutes and an hour is kind of podcast nirvana if you can get there. Um, with with Steve's with Corona Diaries, we <laughs> we tend to overrun, 
So we tend to do an hour and five and a hour and ten. Um, and, you know, we're constantly trying to get ourselves disciplined to try and get it down to an hour, about an hour, but we don't seem to be able to manage it. Jason and I try and are much better at getting to 45, 50 minute episodes. Um, so, yeah, so in both instances, recorded recorded on Zoom uh, or re- recorded using Zoom as a reference point and then assembled. And I use a piece of software called Studio One, which is... Uh, which is, you know, I've, I've, I've used them all. I've used Cubase, I've used Logic. Uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with GarageBand. GarageBand's perfectly acceptable for podcast production. Uh, I, I ended up getting Studio One free with an interface that I use and really liked it, Re- really found it worked for me. And, and I suppose with anything like that, when you do quite a lot of editing, it's about workflow um, and the package that you end up being the one that you can navigate your, your way around the fastest is the one that you end up sticking with. And I'm quicker on Studio One than I am on anything else. So I've ended up sticking with, you know, with with Studio One. Okay. How do you choose the guests that you have on 1942? Nine, well, it's 942 because it's... a 942. 942 is only because it's a, a, a guitar string gauge. So if you buy electric guitar strings, then uh, 9 to 42 is, is kind of the standard for strap players. Uh, and I'm a strap player. As it turned out, I played 946s and Jace plays 1042. So we ended up at 942 because neither of us actually played them. But so, yeah, yeah. Um, how do we... A lot of it comes down to... It started off with the with the people who were involved in this year's event, in the 2020 event, because when I went down to record the first interviews, those people were in the room. So I did three or four of those interviews um you know, while we were at the the show itself, so that they kind of chose themselves, and then since then, um, when we started on lockdown, we had a weird thing where lots of artists were available to talk. So um, we didn't really have a plan to talk to, for argument's sake, Glenn Matlock, who was the original bass player in the Sex Pistols, or yeah. Earl Slick, who was David Bowie's guitarist. Um, th- there wasn't a plan to speak to these people. They just it, it kind of fell in that somebody mentioned to Jason, oh, you know, do you want to talk to, you know, would you like to uh, talk to um, Glenn? Um, And we both said, yes, why wouldn't we want to speak to a Sex Pistol? Um, And and then the the person who, um, you know, who represented Glenn um, said, you do know he's got Earl Slick staying with him at the moment because they play in a band together and Earl couldn't get, you know, decided to stay in the UK rather than, than fight his way back to the US at the beginning of the lockdown. Would you like to speak to Earl? Well, if somebody sort of says to you, do you want to speak to David Bowie's guitarist? You're not going to say no. No. So, and it was a little bit like that. We had through lockdown, they just, just you know, and Jason works, um, he has the guitar show, and but he's, he's got to know a, a lot of agents because he's booked a lot of acts for the guitar show. So we then started going through the back catalogue of people that had, had been at previous shows. Um, I obviously know Marillion, so I sort of, you know, once uh, saw if Steve Rothery could do one, uh, which he very kindly agreed to do. Uh, I used to, I employed a... Um, uh, a, a, a guitarist, singer-songwriter guitarist called Mary Spender yeah. uh, at Shaw. She worked at Shaw uh, for a year and Mary's um, got an incredible following on YouTube uh, and has done work with a lot of 
you know brands like Andertons and has worked with a, you know a load of people and he's a he's kind of part of that that wave of uh, of, of of you know self-produced um, YouTubers and you know I rang up her and said oh, do you fancy doing one and she very kindly said yes so it's 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 been a little bit of mix of people we've known um, and also people that through the beginning of lockdown were, were just available so I mean we banked about five or six interviews um right at the beginning uh whereas now we're, we're doing the more um probably probably recording i guess um everything's been recorded well we've nothing in hand for nine to four to two at the moment so we've got the next one lined up and that will be recorded so those are fresh those are you know those are within a a week of being recorded they go out uh in the same way that with steve we don't bank corona diaries episodes unless one of us can't be available, so um, so we we record on a Monday, and that show goes out to the Patreon, um, the patrons. Uh, it goes out to them on a Friday, and then goes out to the rest of the world on a on a Monday. So that's never more than seven days, um, you know. In, I mean, never more than seven days ahead, if that makes any kind of any kind of sense. You're giving yourself a good uh, long period to be able to get the episode perfect, ready for yeah. going out. You're always seven days ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, we've we've done a lot. I've, we've worked on a lot tighter timescales when we've had to, but we'd like to work to that kind of timescale. So, um, and I think when you're producing for other people, um, one of the, the you know things I've said to everybody I've worked with is, I we we, we you know. I'll advise and I'll talk to you about what I would do in certain situations, and in all, in you know, in pretty much all cases, I've I've come up with a format. I've come up with an initial edit of what I think the show should sound like, and then we've worked on that as a collaboration. But I I never press the schedule button. Um, you know, I I um, I give my. I, we we record the thing it get it gets mixed and edited um i always give everything a final listen through and then um you know and then it's down to the it's down to the person i'm working with to say yeah that's great i'm happy and they push the schedule button so that's the one thing i've always you know i've always worked with i'm not going to presume to do something um on on anybody else's sort of behalf but you as with all of them you you get to know the people you're working with so you get to be able to do things in the way you know they would want them to be done um and it makes it very easy then so i'm sure now you know if i said to if i said to steve hogarth look you know i know you're away just leave them with me i'll get it all sorted i'm i'm sure he would be fine and we just say yeah no problem just just you know trust you you just do what you need to do but I, I don't like to work like that. I like to, you know, I like to go back and say, look, I'm finished. I'm done. I think it's great. When you're happy, you you hit the button. Yep. Okay. So how long have you been a fan of Marillion? Oh. Um, well, there you go. There's the big question. Right. Okay. So um, I got into Marillion through the Misplaced Childhood album um i loved kaylee when it came out as a signal still think it's one of it's one of the you know particularly for that time thought it was a perfect three minute pop record yeah um and 
didn't buy Misplaced Childhood as an album in itself. I ended up buying an album called Thieving Magpie, which was, which as it turned out, was the last release with Fish because it was the live album that came out on the back of the Clutching at Straws tour. So ended up buying Misplaced Childhood, uh, sorry, Thieving Magpie from Woolworths in Redford. No, ne- never, never forget, bought it from there because um, a friend of mine was working at the time. So I bought it, I bought it from Woolworths from um, a girl called Louise Windle, who was working there, who I, st- who I still keep in touch with. Um, and and I I got into the live version of Misplaced Childhood. Um, so initially listened to it, didn't even realise that Kaylee was part of an album that was a complete piece of music. So, yeah. you know, wasn't wasn't there at that point in time. Um, and and became a big fan of, uh, of Thieving My Bike, particularly, particularly the complete, Recording the forty-odd minute recording of um, Misplaced, which I still think is better than the studio album, um, and was was so was kind of aware and involved with Marillion at that point in time, which would make me sort of it was sixteen, seventeen, somewhere around about there. And I remember listening to it a lot around about the time I was doing my A levels. Then. Um, and it was very much a teen angst moment, without a shadow of a doubt. Very much a teen angst moment. It was one of those albums that just spoke to me. It was quite, it was quite morose. It was, a, it was, you know, it was, it was, it was obviously a little bit depressing in places. It, it was all the, all the things that I felt as a sort of seventeen-year-old, you know, young man. Um, ended up doing my A levels. Didn't quite get the results that I needed to get into university. Ended up taking a year out, and all my friends disappeared off to university, and I, and I got a job for a year. And I got a job in workshop, uh, working for a company called Steepley Minerals. And I used to walk into, uh, in my lunch, I'd walk into the centre of workshop, uh, which isn't very glamorous. And and there was a there was a record store there. So I, you know, once or twice a week, I'd go into this record store, and I I bought a copy of the Hooks in You single, which was the first single off Seasons End. Yeah. And this this was an independent record store. And if you remember back in the day, you used to be able to buy CD singles for 99p. So there'd be a load of, you know, unless it was a really big band, anything they were pushing, you used to buy these CD singles for 99 pence and they'd have three or four tracks on them. Yeah. And I remember buying this and being knocked out by this this song. And I was playing guitar at the time. So And I sort of sit down and, I, and, I, and it was quite a rocky tune. And I worked out the guitar part and all those kind of things. And, and as a consequence, I ended up buying the Season's End album. And heard that album, which was the first album that Steve Hogarth did with the band, and just just literally fell in love with this record. Thought it was one of the greatest things I'd heard. Thought the guitar playing was amazing. Thought the songs were amazing. Thought, thought everything about the, the, the you know the band the band was was great. Um, and and kind of really at that point, um, the, pr- probably because I'd not really lived through the Fish years. It almost not made my allegiances, but I kind of made the decision that this was the thing that sounded new and fresh and the thing that I liked. Um, and it kind of went, it went from there. So I rediscovered all the fish stuff and went back and listened to all the original albums over a couple of years um, and, and appreciated them. But because I'd never been a Genesis fan or a prog fan particularly, thought even then thought they sounded, a, you know, a, a bit dated. 
you know, I loved, I say, loved this, the, the, the live version of, of um, Misplaced Childhood, but thought the studio album sounded, you know, even then sounded dated. And I'm talking about, 90, you know, 1989 sort of time, 1990 when I was at university listening to those. I just thought, yeah, they're great, but they sound like a long time ago. And I, so I made my, you know, sort of made, had made my decision. Um, and, and and it just it just all followed from there. I went to see the band for the first time on the on the Christmas dates, which were um, after the season's end tour. But the, the Christmas saw saw the saw the band for the first time with Hogarth in Rock City in Nottingham, which remains one of my favourite venues because it's a proper little sweatbox of a venue. And I like that place. Just, just amazing. I mean, you know, I like. I shouldn't say this, but venues where you find yourself sticking to the floor because that much beer has been spilled, um, and saw the band there and just was blown away, absolutely blown away by them live. Just still, they they still remain one of the greatest live bands, you know, bar none. I've seen a lot of bands in my time. They're absolutely superb, and and it just and it just kind of went from there. And they've they've been the soundtrack. They've been the sound because, as I say, I'm not a prog fan. I'm not. I don't sit in that. That you know, I don't do all the Genesis stuff and all the other stuff. I don't explore lots of things around the edges of Marillion. I listen to, you know, I listen. I you, you'll find me listening to the Stones or to Dylan or to. But then you know, the Alarm or you'll or or it could be Billy Joel or it could be, you know, I, I I'm I'm not I'm not that typical Marillion fan. But this, and as I say, to, I'm not saying I rejected the fish stuff, but I found it uh, uh, over time. I found it harder and harder, and yet the, there's just so much in the in the stuff with Steve Hogarth that I really, you know, really found resonated. Um, and it's lasted all that time. It's it's like I can't think of one point in, you know, in in since I started. I've not. I've never gone away and rediscovered the band. I've been involved all the way through. I was one of the people who, you know, who who. Threw their money in when they start when they did the when they crowdfunded, um, you know, anarachnophobia. I was one of the people that threw threw my cash in, you know, for that. And uh, and I've always you know always done two or three. I mean, in the early days, I'd go three or four times on a tour. And you know, went to the album launch party of Holidays Needing, and you know, lots of lots of things. Joined the fan club and all those kind of things. In in a way, I've never done with another band. And um, but then. Got because of working for Shaw and because you know the band used Shaw product, um, just got to know. Just ended up one day, found myself staying nearby, dropped a message to um, a guy called Roderick Brunson, who used to be the studio manager and also did front, uh, front of house sound for them. And literally found his address on the website and dropped him a message just to say, Look, I work in the industry, I'm staying in Aylesbury overnight. I know the band are somewhere near here. Any chance I can pop in and say hello, and it just it then just went from that simple email. Got a got a message back saying, "Yeah, pop in. We'd love to see you. This is where you need to come." Um, you know, went in. Um, you know, some of the band were in that day. Said hello to a few people. Um, you know, hi, I, I work for sure. And then and then a phone call came back. You know, oh, can you help us with this? And it and it just all started from there. And I think we we developed a. You know, we developed a a, a friendship um, over a, over about a you know a a, a ten year period really. Um, that's kind of resulted in where I am now. So it's not. It was never anything more than than kind of you know having having got to know them and then just slowly 
getting you know being told well look if you if you you know next, next time we talk just let us know and whichever show you want to come to come to that show so and then suddenly you start going to a few shows as a guest and then the next thing you go to a show as a guest and it's a backstage pass and then you just then you start to be just become part of the furniture in the kind of the in 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 the arse end of the band if that makes sense yeah um you know they get used to seeing you either either at the uh, at the recording studio or they get used to seeing you you know it's normally manchester i go to they get used to seeing you at certain gigs and then you get to know people and then before you know it somebody will pick the phone up so steve rotherham might pick the phone up and say oh can you help me with this um you know or h will pick the phone up and say can you help me with and and that's how these things then tend to develop and then then you end up finding yourself chatting to somebody backstage for an hour and before you know it you're just somebody that that is in that part of the you know the equation so what would you say is your favorite album by Marillion? oh dear that's uh the right there, there isn't one there's three um and they're all from slightly different periods of of, of the band really uh season's end we still remains a firm, 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 firm favourite, and you know I, I'll, I can still the, put that on and feel the way I felt about it. You know when I was in my first year at university, university listen to it. You know then, um, and there's a couple of very special songs on the album. East is a very special song. After me is a very special song for a lot of personal reasons. Um, so that one will always be, always be there. Um, Afraid of sunlight is an astonishing achievement and is the album that if that had been written by anybody other than Marillion probably would be being hailed to this day as a masterpiece if radio radio had to produce that or Coldplay had produced that that would absolutely be hailed as a masterpiece because there's something about that record that is just so out there I don't know how they arrived uh, at that particular album but it's absolutely astonishing i mean there's a song on there called beyond you which is which is the most gut-wrenching thing i've ever heard um and and is probably my favorite marillion song full stop um and then fear the most recent album which i didn't expect to feel the way i feel about afraid of sunlight in terms of technically how good an album it is um ever again so season's end's got this this place in my heart for a lot of you know for a whole load of reasons. Afraid of sunlight just is there as a thing that's just perfect, really, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and, and I thought that was it. And there's been there's been other songs and other albums. I've thought, oh, that's amazing. But I never felt the way I felt about Afraid of Sunlight about any album since then until Fear came along. And then Fear just appears, and it's this 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 just thing that's just angry and charged and brutal and brilliant and tender and just i i thought how does that how does a band who are on album number 18 how do they produce that then at this point in their lives that that shouldn't happen um but it has and it's just it's just astonishing so i've got the three uh that's kind of yeah and and there's Everything else in between I can listen to. I'm not one of these people that rejects things and what have you, but those three in of themselves, um, they're, you know, and, and I mean, a lot of fans will say to me, well, what about Brave? And Brave's an amazing thing. Um, but Brave's a, Brave's a dark journey. Um, and Brave is, 
can can be a can be a hard listen um in the same way that okay computer is a hard listen um and yeah i don't feel that same way about season's end or about Fred's sunlight or or even about fear which is equally equally dark but there's but um there are there are light moments in in fear and uh and 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 i think the thing with fear it was just so for me it was so unexpected i didn't expect to to have an album from them again that from beginning to end i felt like that about whereas i'd got myself going to albums and going well actually yeah the album's okay but that track and that track and that track are great and the rest is fine and there's nothing wrong with it and for most bands it would be brilliant but it you know it's not like i go to afraid of sunlight and go well there's nothing on here that isn't just astonishing um so yeah so that they're, they're, they're the three uh, and don't ask me to pick one because i'm i'm just not going to do it no i'm not going to do that I, I agree with you about fear. I think there's a um, there's there's a beautiful flow throughout the whole album, it, and, and musically it works going from one song to the next. Or it's, it's like a suite that just beautifully flows throughout. And it was definitely on top form with getting all those lyrics together oh. as well on there. Oh, it's. Um, I think the the other great thing about fear is that um, as with mo- as with most albums. You the, the the track that hooks you in is then becomes the track that isn't the one that remains the track that you you really really get gravitate to. So, um, you know, living in fear, uh, which became the single, hooked me first. There's something about the the, the that particular track um, that 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 hooked me in, uh, and the one I struggled with most or took the longest was White Paper, and yet White Paper now, you know, is just. Is is just that track that I I just think is quite quite phenomenal, uh, and of course you've got this you've got the anger you know in in El Dorado you've got uh, anger in the New Kings both which are very relevant lyrically to today, and then you've just got the sheer beauty of you know um, of the levers in the middle, um, which, which is an astonishing piece of music. Um, and I think, I mean, I can't imagine the world without. I can't imagine a world without any of the albums, any of the particularly the Hogarth albums. I can't imagine the world without any of them. But I absolutely can't imagine a world without Fear or a, a world without Afraid of Sunlight or a world without Seasons End, um, because they've just become so important. You know, so important to me. Um, there aren't many albums that stand up to the amount of listening that Marillion albums do. Um, that you can listen to literally hundreds of times and find something new or not find yourself, you know, bored by or find that goes stale. And there aren't that many albums like that. I mean, Exile on Main Street, as a Stones fan, still sounds fresh and vibrant and, you know, it evokes what it must have been to record that album in that, you know that stately home in France. It, it has all that going on. It, it, it's captured the entire moment, and I can listen to that album over and over. But there aren't that many that I will say there's, there will there be no limit to how many times I listen to this record. Uh, and yet, with a lot of the Marillion catalog, particularly those three, there is no limit to how many times I think I will listen to those records. Do you think there's a difference between radio shows and podcast? Um. That's a really good question, actually. Yes, I do, but um, good radio makes a good podcast. 
Um, yeah. But radio tends to, a lot of radio tends to be, this probably takes into an area where you start talking about podcasts that date and podcasts that don't. And a lot of radio, particularly if it's current affairs, will date. So, you know, the politics podcasts I listen to, if I miss a few weeks, I don't tend to go back to them because in reality, they've you've already passed. So I think if it's radio, for argument's sake, in more of a documentary type style. Um, so I was listening to the um, the show that you did with, and I think it's Ben, wasn't it, who does the Bob Dylan podcast? Yeah. Now, yeah. you can tell he works in radio. Um, and would that have worked? Would that podcast have worked as a piece of radio? And I think the answer is absolutely yes. Um, so in that respect, if that had been done for radio first and converted and packaged as a podcast, would it still work? Of course it would, because it's on a particular subject. It, it, it you know, it had very had very much a radio fall to a certain extent kind of feel with it in terms of the fact that the episodes are about 30 minutes long and uh, and 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 they're they're beautifully articulated and beautifully you know um researched and presented so i think in that respect yeah. yes they do i think the problem comes if you're talking current affairs um re- repurposing radio into a podcast is fine for current affairs show but they don't stand the test of time you won't go back and rediscover those. You have to listen to those to a certain extent in the moment. Um, so um, that's not really answered your question, really. Yes, yes, I think it does, but I think depending on the format and how they've been done will depend on the longevity of, of the, you know, of the product. Okay. Why do you think podcasts have suddenly become popular? Well, have they suddenly become more popular than they were? Do you know what? I. I, I'm st- I still talk to people for whom Nine to Forty Two or Corona Diaries is the first podcast they've listened to, um, and you when okay. you hear that you think that's fantastic because you've got a whole journey now, you've got a whole journey that's going to because you, you potentially are going to get addicted to this format, and I think I think if you've got the period in your life that moment in your life where you can incorporate a podcast into it be it at the gym, be it out for a run, be it walking the dog, whatever it is, if you you know, be it commuting, whatever it is, if you can if you can find a space in your life to 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 put a podcast experience into, because I do think they're a supplementary experience in a lot of ways. I do think they soundtrack a lot of other things that go on in your life. I mean I listen to my podcast now. I used to listen to my podcast when I was driving. I don't do anything like the miles anymore. I had to go out and find another thing to do to incorporate podcasts into because I'm not very good at just listening to a podcast, i.e. sitting in the house and just listening. So what I've started doing is walking. And I now I now walk on the days when I don't run I walk and that is my podcast listening time. So I've created three to four hours a week of time for listening to to podcasts in. So I think um, I think for a lot of people it's not that you've not heard about them or you don't know what you know what they are necessarily. I think when you find that particular podcast, so when when you're jolted into the medium because it's somebody you know or a band that you really like or a personality that you really like who started doing one. I think that then kicks you onto a journey. And I think if you can then find the moment to listen, what most people I've ever spoken to have then done is they've had a thirst for for other podcasts. 
And I think most people who listen to podcasts probably listen to anything between about two or three and ten. Um, because you get a thirst for it, but you have to have, um, you know, you have to, you have to be able to work out when are you going to listen to them. And, and, and and for me, it has to be a soundtrack to something else. So for me, it's the soundtrack to when I walk and it used to be the soundtrack to when I used to drive. Um, but there's no, there's no denying very few people. I think listen to just one. I think if it works for you, and there's no reason why it wouldn't work for you, and one of the things I love about a podcast is that it's not a disruptive um, thing. So if you go to most social media, most social media is about people shouting. Yeah, It's about anything to distract you, to get you to look at their thing for 25, 30 seconds, maybe a minute, maybe a minute and a half. And we scroll through stuff. We never finish watching that video clip. We never finish reading that paragraph. We just scroll through. And and social media is all about disruption. Podcast is totally different. Most people listen to podcasts don't want the podcast to end. It's weird if we, when you produce the stuff to listen to the stuff because in reality... You know, I listen to the to the Romaniacs podcast at fifty odd minutes most weeks, and I would say that's perfect length. You know, my my producer hat will say perfect length for a podcast, and yet when I'm listening to it, I want it to go on longer. Yeah. Um. So, and I think that's unique in 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 the formats at the moment that it's a format where people they really look forward to it arriving. They look forward to it landing. They the, and and it accompanies something they want to do. Um, and you know, and and they want that experience because a podcast, you know, it's like it's like you're eavesdropping on a private conversation in a lot of instances. But it's only you. It's only you. You don't listen to podcasts as a group. You might listen to a piece of music as a group, but as a podcast, you tend to listen to on your own, often in earphones. So there's just that. It's just that solitary, you know experience it's all for you it's all in the moment and i think once you start and you 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 discover what they're all about and of course the beauty is there's going to be somebody who's going to produce a podcast that talks to exactly what you want to listen to you don't have to go far to find exactly the thing that you want so if you want true crime yeah you're sorted if you want comedy you're sorted if you want drama you're sorted if you want celebrity you're sorted if you want to discuss music politics news you know mental health any of those you can you can find what you want um and uh so so yeah so i don't think i don't think it's just starred i think i think individual journeys have been going on with podcasts probably for the last 10 years and and you know, I mean, there's over a million podcasts out there in terms yeah. of individual shows. So it's not, but it, I think you, it's like anything. You need that point to step on the ride, and once you've found the point that pushes you onto the ride, I think for a lot of people, then that 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 then becomes a not an obsession, but it, it becomes something that becomes a special part of your life. Definitely. Are there any episodes of shows that you've been a part of that have really stood out? Um, yes, there's one. 
Yeah. And it's one of my own, actually. It's not It's not one. I'm very proud of all the things that I've done with the different people I've worked on. And there's been some great episodes of Corona Diaries, been great episodes of 942. Deborah's show had a particularly one very, very good episode with a very, very good interview that she did um, with a lady who uh, lost a mum through breast cancer and then went on to dedicate her life to working with... For, um, she produces cooling caps for people who are struggling with, with, with breast cancer or with any form of cancer. Actually, she's not just breast cancer, uh, which was a really, really great episode. I did, um, I did one uh, episode of Therapy for me where I abandoned the complete format because something had happened in the um, news... Um, and it well, and do you know what? I'm really embarrassed. If I've forgotten the lady's Caroline Flack, was it? Um, who yep. committed suicide? And um, yeah, and it yeah. it chimed with me um, because I'd had you know I'd I'd been through a a, a, a a low moment in my life. I'd been through a moment in my life where I'd um, found myself um, contemplating. Uh, suicide um and what had scared me about it was that when you're thinking about it in that moment when you you think actually would you know you find yourself thinking would life be easier if i wasn't here and what yourself you find yourself thinking is would life be easier for the people around me because i'm i'm very difficult to live with at the moment and i appreciate that i'm a bit i'm a bit of a burden at the moment and so would it and you find yourself having a really um very very sort of pragmatic conversation with yourself about, well, actually, do you know what? There are definite pros on if I wasn't around. And and the, it was a really, it was a incredibly scary moment because, you know, half an hour later or an hour later or whatever it was, I, I, I then thought back on this conversation and thought, Jesus, I could have done something, you know, fairly catastrophic in that moment because where my head was for that short space of time what I was thinking was perfectly rational Uh, and I found myself in that space thinking about some you know thinking well actually do you know what I'm, I'm hurting at the moment. I'm in a lot of pain. There are a lot of people around me that are probably finding that they're struggling to deal with what I'm with me struggling to deal with what I'm going through and you know it's a win-win it could be a win-win here um and and as i say within an hour or a couple of hours i can't remember ex- the exact you know you don't keep a record of these things but i i found myself looking back on that little thought process in my head and thought jesus that was really scary and and it took me to then thinking about what had happened you know with that lady and how i could totally empathize with what had happened in her life as she got to a point of thinking do you know what actually me just not being here will be the best solution for for where i find myself so i ended up i ended up speaking about that and just abandoned the format uh and and just talked about that for i i don't know about 20 minutes i guess i can't i can't remember the exact um the exact length of the thing and and I remember playing it to my wife and saying, "Can I put this out?" And she listened to it and she said, "Do you want to?" And I said, "Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm fine to put it out." Um, what do you think? And she, she sort of said, "If if you're comfortable to talk about it, then you should do it," which I did. So if I'm proud of, if I'm proud of one episode, I'm I'm proud of that because um, 
I, I wanted I wanted to do it, and it 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 probably was the hardest session in front of a microphone of the you know hundred plus podcasts that I've been involved in. That was probably the hardest the hardest one. Wow, but obviously, hopefully, well, it, it helps you through that thought process. Actually, just getting it out there. Yeah, I mean. You know, I ended up doing some. I ended up doing some counselling. I mean, we're going back a long time. We're going back a long time to a particular set of circumstances in my life that, fortunately, have never come round again. And and the thing that I discussed was fleeting. You know, in the in the in the scheme of things, it really was fleeting. The thing that scared me was how how I suddenly realised how you could because I'm one of these people that thinks, well, how 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 could you how could you do harm to yourself? How could you actually do that? Um, and yet had a moment where I realised how you could and that actually it was a very calm, rational thought process that you you know, that, that you find yourself going through. And, and depending on how that catches you in the moment, you may decide to act on that. And that, you know, and I think pe- people maybe don't, you know, I, I, was, I was trying to sort of say to people, you, you just don't know. You just don't know, but don't look on the outside or don't even think about what that person has been like all the time they've known you because you you actually have no clue what somebody who might end up taking their own life looks like. Um, it isn't, you know, it isn't something you can spot and it isn't something that you, because in that, as I say, in that moment when you find yourself thinking about it, it just seems a remarkably rational, you know, solution to a problem. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I, you know, it's difficult to be proud of an episode like that in the respect of what you kind of in what in what you. But but it, it was the it was the important one, shall we say? Yeah, and it's a, it's something that resonates with a lot of people as well. I, I know that mm. for for sure. Yeah. Uh, what other shows do you listen to in your own podcast? Cast listening. Well, it's still the politics stuff that's never gone away. Uh, I still find myself, uh, you know, my, my my week is still is still you know is still Romaniacs. I listen to a bit of um, you know, newscast, which is the BBC News one with Laura Coombsberg. Um, I still I listen to the Bunker, which is the same guys who produce Romaniacs, um, which is again very politics based, um, and then. Other things that catch my eye, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the um, the David Tennant podcasts, yes. um, which I, th- I thought those interviews were great. The one I did with Olivia Coleman was absolutely fantastic. Um, Judy Dench made me laugh. Oh yeah, well they're just—I mean, he's such a disarming character, and um, and they were just such wonderful conversations. He's he's a natural for you know for doing those kind of things. So that was you know that was. Um, very, very good. I still like the Matt Ford ones when he does the political party. I think they're absolutely fantastic. I think he's a really, he's a really good host. Um, his audio quality is a bit patchy, but as a host, is you know he's absolutely, uh, he's absolutely great. Um, and then, I guess it's odd things at odd moments. Things kind of float in and float out. I've list, I listen to odd sport ones that have floated in and floated out. I for a while I went through uh, absolutely howling at uh, my dad wrote a porno which I thought was great, um, you know, and 
it, it's the consistent ones are the politics ones, but other things, as I say, other things float in and out. I also listen to quite a lot of. Um, I'll use sounds a lot, and this is where I guess the crossover with radio. I will listen to uh, documentaries, so I will find Radio Four documentaries and listen to those. Um, you know, I've, uh, I've, I, I think I listened to a couple of Sherlock Holmes audio books while I was out walking. You know, um, over the course of the last month or so, so I will, I will flit around, and I think if I didn't listen to podcast, I wouldn't then listen to things like that as well, because obviously there's a difference between a podcast and audio book to a certain extent, but in reality there isn't. Okay. Um, you know, production value is slightly different and, and what have you, but um, it's still about immersing yourself in a, you know, in that moment. Um, so I think, I think I'm probably a, I'm a, I'm a podcast fan because I think I'm probably arrived at the point in my life where I'm a Radio 4 fan. And I think in reality, my podcast listening is Radio 4, but without the bits that I don't like. So it's like Radio 4 without the archers or the shipping forecast, really, or anything that Melvin brags on. <laughs> um, you know, and so those things that appear on Radio 4, like the documentaries, like the historical stuff or the, or the politics stuff or maybe some of the interview stuff, you know, maybe a bit Desert Island Disky. I, I kind of, so that's kind of, my, my podcast listening is a bit like me, me editing Radio 4, really. What advice would you give to people starting off in uh, podcasting? Oh, um, get used to the sound of your own voice. Um, because if, you know, unless you're just going to do production, if you're going to be on a podcast, you, you get used to the sound of your own voice because it's not horrible. It's absolutely fine. Um, and you're going to be listening to a lot of it. So, so get over that as quickly as you possibly can and learn to love the sound of your own, not love the sound of your own voice, but, learn not to hate the sound of your own voice um and then and then just don't think there's anything wrong you know it, it uh, you've got to you set a mic up and you start i mean when 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 steve hogarth and i started on tcd you know um i went around to his house and we set a couple of mics up and we just said let's start talking let's see where it goes and we finished recording on the first day and we had three episodes um because we just found ourselves we found a groove we found something that worked and then it was a case of right well let's just throw it out there and see if people like it and we threw it out there and people liked it and then you know, and then we've subconsciously just kind of, I think it probably took us half a dozen shows to get into a format that is kind of where we've stuck, um, you know, uh, because we got to we got to know the audience. Um, talk to your audience as much as you can. Um, let, let them communicate with you. You know, try and respond to as, as much as you possibly can um, because it's, it's really helpful. Um, but, but no, no, as I say, Learn to love the sound of your own voice because 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 there's no point not um, and you know and and the other thing I try and do is I don't over edit I okay. I don't over edit for um, for ums and pauses and this that and the other don't don't try and make it into something that's perfect you you, you know a lot a, a lot particularly if you're speaking to if you if it's more than one person. It's a conversation, 
and it needs to be represented as a conversation. It's not supposed to be scripted. So so don't overanalyze, don't overedit. Get get to a level where your audio where your audio is not going to switch people off. So the quality of your audio is good enough that there's no reason not to engage with the podcast. But then don't worry too much about about you know about over editing. Um, you know, and as I say, talk to talk to your audience. Talk to your audience as much as you much as you possibly can. Okay, right. We're coming to the to the end of this now. So let's uh, let people know about the shows that you do and how they can uh, get in touch with you and find you. Right. Well, the, the the easiest way to get in touch with me is I brand myself as a short stories um, for the podcast stuff. So, uh, which I have to thank Deborah for, who I work with on the on brand with. She came up and said a short stories, and I was like, "You're right. I like that." Um, so um, you can find me on Facebook, a short stories. You can find me on Instagram, a short stories. You can find me on Twitter, a short stories. I have to admit, I'm not on Twitter very often. Um, and 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 just just you know friend requests on Facebook yeah no problem and um, and same on Instagram and you know there's 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 multiple ways to to you know to to chat on those kind of platforms. Um, you'll find details of the shows um, on Facebook. So uh, nine to forty two, which is the the guitar show podcast with Jason Hunt, um, and. You've got Corona Diaries, which is obviously um, the one with Steve Hogarth. That's re- that's relatively easy to find, um, and then Therapy for Me, which is you know which is the one that I I do, uh, and we're just about to start again with On Brand with with Deborah. So you know the course of the next three or four weeks, I've not pushed that very much on the Facebook platform, but I will do when the new when the new series you know is ready to to come out. So that's the easiest way of finding it. I started a website six months ago and it looks fine. And the only reason I've not launched it is because I was going to write some blog posts for it. And six months ago, I thought to myself, well, I'll write a few blog posts, put some content on before it goes out. Have I done it? Have I hell as like? <laughs> and I ended up doing an interview, one of the on-brand withs with somebody who, who said the same thing. She's got a friend and he's, you know, set his own business up five years ago, still hasn't finished his website because he's been inundated with work. And and it's why I kind of I must get it finished because it's something that I need to finish and do. But in reality, I've never got round to launching it because I've managed to find ways of talking to people in in the interim. I mean, you can find a short stories on uh, or Ant Short. You can find on LinkedIn as well. So, you know, um, I, I as much as I should finish the website, I don't know what else it might. The problem with the website is they can end up being this static thing. And obviously, you know, if you've got a LinkedIn profile and a Facebook page, they can be fairly fluid. Um, and you know a, a static website is, is is kind of great to prove you exist, but it it you know I'd rather spend my time recording podcasts than updating a website. Okay, thank you very much, and thank you everybody for listening, and hope you uh, listen again to another episode of Pods Like Us.
only town who's in the never UK here. That, who's never there. And the only town in the UK that's an anagram of wanker, I believe. You're not the first one to mention that. Nope. No, no. It's one of my little uh, it's one of my little go-tos for Newark. <laughs> I was born and raised in Retford. Okay. Oh, he's a Retty lad. Okay. Yep. So uh so yeah, so only from down the road. I'm still behind on the episodes of TCD. I think I've got I'm got this week, so I might be the week before. You know, sometimes you listen to that much, you you've have to been, sort of like catch up. You've been behind all the way through because you always post which one you're listening to. I do. Yes. And you've been yeah. a little bit you've been pretty much behind all the way. I thought you'd virtually caught up actually. I did, and then I had a week off two weeks ago and did no listening for that whole week. Right. Found myself because I listen to eight, well, I listen to lots of podcast shows, hence why I'm doing this show, really. Yeah. <laughs> so, what drew you to podcasts? Um, I think there's a similarity between us there. After listening to your therapy for me, it sort of resonated with me because, uh, I mean, I've been in security for for over twenty years now, which is you know, not the not the best thing in the world. But so, so basically, doing while the while we were on lockdown, my hours went up. So I was doing about yeah. seventy hours in five days. Yeah, wow. in, in a van driving around sites, doing alarm response, and I just thought, but but you know, with it sounds a bit cliche, but with my fiftieth coming up next month i thought do you know what i want to do something that's a bit different mm. and people have been telling me i should have a go at podcasting and they've been telling me from long long ago that i should try it because uh friends of mine who used to work for radio mansfield they've had their own podcast now for about 12 years right yeah they won the, one of the originals and they said back then they said look you've got the all all the re- recording equipment with mm. being a musician you've got it all they said so why don't you just have a go at it? And I've held it off till now. And I thought, do you know what? I'll give it a go. Hmm. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, I, my my background, my audio background was in four track recorders and recording songs. Going back to when I was at, you know, even before you, I went to university, I'd got a little four track. I think if you've if you've been around in recording audio and it's been something you've done off and on for the years, then actually, particularly if You've never you, you've always written songs, but they've never really been that good. And you've always done stuff, but it's never really lived up to what you thought it really you know could have done. And you were never really a, a good enough musician to really follow that dream particularly. But you but you you know you learnt a lot about bits of recording and what have you. You you podcasting's quite a nice creative outlet um, if you haven't found a creative outlet that really works. Um, so, you know, and I think it, for me, it was difficult to carry on writing songs. You know, I used to, I wrote songs through in my sort of mid twenties, but there comes a point where you kind of stop really because life gets in the way for one, but two, all that kind of teen angst and all that kind of nonsense kind of disappears. So, um, so, but you, you find yourself with this legacy of always having done bits of recording and all that kind of stuff. And then, and then this is one of those areas where actually it's a kind of a halfway house between having done some music recording and done some song arrangement and, and a bit of production. Uh, so there's a slightly creative element to it. Um, but also you fairly, you, you understand what good audio is, um, which, you know, which is helpful. Um, and at the end of the day, it, as with any podcast, you've got to be able to listen to it. It's got to, you know, if it, if it, 
if it's you know if there's if it's been recorded in a noisy room or it's not very it's not very good quality then you do switch off fairly quickly so you know having that as a background as kind of helps really do you know what i'm going to slot that into the main body of the show oh, okay <laughs> i think we ought to get on with it then since you yeah, well, yeah absolutely absolutely i'm okay. um, i think i'm permanently in podcast mode actually you seem to be Do you mind if I nip to the toilet, Ant, and then we carry on in a couple of minutes? <laughs> Not Sorry. in the slightest. Not in the slightest. <laughs> it's a good job I'm good at editing. <laughs> Back in a moment. Okay, Sorry. no problem. <laughs> I never thought I'd have myself quoted to myself, but quite a few people have said that. I'm sorry. I mean, no, you're fine. You're fine. I think it's going to end up on a t-shirt. Yes. Right. Let's let's get back on with it. Okay. Um, thank you very much, Anne, and thanks for for this. It's no, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, a, it's appreciated. It's an absolute pleasure. I hope. It, how's it going so far? Um, the three episodes that I've got up so far have got me a hundred episodes and hundred listens, which is really good for the first yeah, week. Absolutely. You know, superb. So, um, hopefully it'll just grow from there and yeah. Yeah. Well, you just, I mean, the thing is you, you know, I'll, I'll, as soon as you let me know when it's going out, I'll just share it with, you know, um, with the, with the people who follow, follow me. Yeah. Uh, and obviously I don't know if you're on the Marillion, um, the Merlion Facebook page, the Merlion, uh, yes. <clears throat> there's a private Facebook group. Hang on, I'll tell you what it's called. Merillion um, and Fans, I think, is the one. Yes, it is. That's got 17.1 thousand members on there. Um, if you're not on there, it's that, you know, you might find this one might work. I've just found somebody with a, um, a, a CD single of Merillion Beautiful that they paid 99p for. Talk about 99p singles. Wow. Um, but you know, you might, you, that might be something that might, you might be able to drop on there. Yeah. I am on there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. and that, and that might, um, you know, and that might pull a few, a few people in. Uh, I've had quite a few people ask me how, how I know Stephen, this, that, the other. So, um, you know, that might, well, that might yeah, I didn't need to ask you that because you'd already answered that. Through. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it kind of it, it's it's integral as part of the story, really, in terms yeah. of the you know. And I think I think that that's the reason why the 
the thing is, we don't know. We we knew each other without knowing each other really, really well, and then yeah. it just became evident as soon as we started that we just, for whatever reason, it just worked. We both believe in the format. We both believe in the podcast. We both think the podcast is bringing some joy and light to people. Yeah. Um, we we don't take it too seriously, but at the t- same time, we also take it very seriously, if that makes sense. It does, yeah. You know, we know it's full of mistakes. We know it's full of things we probably shouldn't say. We know it, it borders on the... We know it's not the most politically correct thing in the world, but at the same time, we also know it's not offensive. If that, You know, we know there's nothing in there that is... Gen, but we also know that it's just two blokes talking. There's a naturalness to it that's just comfortable. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, uh, and and we don't we don't filter anything out. I think there's only two or three things we've ever taken out, um, yeah. really, that we thought might be not offensive, just things that had come along yeah. and odd things have been said. <clears throat> and you know, but we—I bet we've edited about three or four things out. Probably not even that. Maybe two or three out of twenty odd episodes. So um, yeah, we've we, we've just, we've kind of got it. We've kind of got it about where it it needs to be. And the only the only fear is that we run out of things to talk about. That's the only. But we keep saying that. We keep we pray, we say that privately to each other all the time. What we're going to do this week? Oh, well, you know, and do you know what? I've got I've got five or six episode plans for it already, and that's without spending any time considering it. Um, so I don't even think that's going to happen. I think people quite like the fact that we just bang on, really. Um, you know, and it, and it, and he's always you know, and yeah, he repeats himself, and we will repeat ourselves more, and we'll and as I said to you, you know, on that message, we're going to bump into bits. In the show that we've that have been covered in the diary, or vice versa, it is going to happen. Um, but I think that's fine. I think that's, I think that's absolutely fine. fine. Yep. You know, and I never thought ever in a million years thought I'd end up in this kind of situation doing something like that with you know with somebody like Age. But but, but when you take chances with things, <clears throat> these things are these these things happen. Yeah. Yeah. It, absolutely. Absolutely. It's um, you know. I mean, I I could take this format to other people and say, look, the problem is with that is I don't think I could capture what I've got with H again um, because I'm not going to find somebody else for whom the music is as important to me as this music's important to me. Um, And I then just become that guy who's peddling that format. um, And I don't want to do that. No. I, I want the next podcast I work on to be a million miles away from this one. Um, well, you, you won't have the same natural friendship and rapport no. that you've got with Steve. No. no. No, I mean, you know, 9 to 42 works with Jason because I've known Jason 20 years. Yeah. You know, and, it, you know, is there anything else I'd like to do? Yeah, I'd like to do a, you know, I'd like to do a what's it? I'd, like to, I'd love to do a history or a politics podcast. Um, you know, I haven't got a clue where I would start. And I don't know, I'd need to find a way that allowed somebody who hasn't worked in that field all his life in. So that that would be the, so that would have to be a learning curve for me. So I, I would have to find a way of speaking to people 
and almost start by saying, "Look, I know a real little bit, and I'm, I, you know, I need to, I'm, I need to go and speak to this person to help me understand this particular thing because I just don't understand it." And it would have to be a voyage of discovery in that res- in that respect. Um, but um, you know, but but maybe maybe that might be what I end up I end up going to I end up going to next. I don't I don't know. But I I, I certainly you know as as much as I could take this format and pedal this round because there are plenty of musicians now with the kind of reach that H has got. Yeah. But but you know what what would be the point? That's true. Really? Right, I'll I'll let I'll let you get on and I'll uh, I'll do an H and I'll try and get a nap before I'm at work tonight. <laughs> yeah, try it, try it. Apparently, it works very well. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna grab a brew. Um, okay. Thanks very much. That I, and just uh, let us know when it's going out and I'll uh, and I'll and I'll you know. Okay. I will I will lend my limited bit of support, marketing support to. to Thank you very to much. Show. I've got a lot of shows already in the can, so there you go. I'm good. I'm playing good. It's good. I think really this good. is my eleventh that I've recorded, and I've only Bloody put hell. three out so far. So far, so yeah. Well, I mean, you know, they always say don't start even start looking at your numbers until you've got to at least ten shows. That's it. So. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you, Anne. You Cheers, go and get yourself a brew. Take I care. I will. Do. Cheers. Bye. Bye.